Good morning, Illini. Welcome back to another Healthy Illini Chat. As always, I'm your host, Matt Schrock. It's October. Fall is here. That means pumpkin patch trips, uh, leaves changing colors, sweaters and boots, and of course, pumpkin spice everything. It also means Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And that's the focus of our conversation today. So take a moment, take a breath, and hang out with us for a bit. We're glad you're here. As I said, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So we have brought in two special guests, uh, Susan Pruitt and Bree Witted. Susan is a technician in our pharmacy at McKinley, and Bree is a nutrition educator in our health ed department. Thank you both for agreeing to speak with me today. You're, you're, you both have very personal reasons for joining this conversation, so uh, why don't we start there? Susan, if you would just share a little bit of a history on why breast cancer awareness is a passion of yours. Well, I was first diagnosed with um, breast cancer in um, March 17th of 2010, just from a routine breast exam. Um, it was so small, even the doctor couldn't feel it. And, um, and I had no family history on either side of my family. So I was the first. So you're coming from a, a, a position of someone who has been, uh, who, was, who was diagnosed with, with breast cancer. Um, on the other side, we have Bree, who uh, you're coming in a, a little bit more of uh, someone who experienced the journey as a supporter of a loved one who had it. So would you just share a little bit about, of your background uh, from that from that perspective? Sure. So when I was a sophomore in college um, here at the University of Illinois, my mom was diagnosed at the later part of my sophomore year with breast cancer. Um, and she battled it, um, you know, for the better part of 15 years. So, you know, and, and one of the main reasons we started this podcast was to have conversations because uh, we can, you know, we don't want to just be a verbal or an auditory handout, uh, a flyer that gives technical information that is very uh, clinical, that sort of thing, which there's nothing wrong with that, but we really wanted to be something more of a conversation and something that would resonate with people and reach them where they are, uh, to touch that personal, that emotional, the, that authentic self, um, and to really tap into that. So um, if you would, think back on your, your, your time of, of the initial uh, information or the, you found out the diagnosis or someone shared with you that what was going on what were some of your thoughts and reactions you had in that moment what were, what were you feeling what, what was that experience um, for me I was um, basically kind of like Brie she was um, I have two daughters and they were both college you know high school and college age um, girls and um, that was hard for me to tell them because they immediately thought cancer meant death and my oldest even told my youngest, her sister, that um, this could be mom's last Mother's Day, which it wasn't, thankfully. I've been 11 years cancer-free, so. Bree, what about you? Um, I think for me, it wasn't even on my radar. Like, I maybe had one friend throughout um, grade school or high school who had a parent that was diagnosed with cancer, hadn't really had a lot of other family members. So for me, it wasn't really even... Um, in my thought process. So um, much like Susan's daughters, it probably kind of like took me by a little bit by storm. Um, my mom actually um, discovered it or suspected it and kind of kept it from us throughout the whole imaging, testing, um, all of that. And she didn't tell us until like the night before her surgery. So I think that was kind of a shock too. Um, you know, maybe who knows if it was, you know, for the better or for the worse, but um, I, th I think it was definitely like an eye-opener at the time. 
Yeah, I definitely um, did the same thing, except I did tell them when I was actually confirmed that I did have cancer. But, you know, going through the x-rays, the imaging, and even the biopsy, I didn't tell anyone but my mother and, of course, my husband. But, um, yeah, that having to tell everybody take, definitely takes a toll on a person. So, yeah, I told each one of my girls individually. How did you prepare yourself to, to share that? Because, again, like, like Bree said, it's not really on your radar. Yeah. Um, it's not something that, you, you know, you, you actively think, okay, when this, you know, you think about births, you think about birthdays, you think about jobs, you know, the things that you know, I can prepare for. But this is not something you prepare for. So how did you approach that conversation? Actually, the day after we um, found out I did have cancer, um, my husband and I, we drove back home and we went to my mom's house and my daughter happened to be in Urbana at the Wooden Park and she saw our vehicle and she tried calling. Well, I ignored her call and um, finally I just texted her. I said, come to grandma's. <laughs> and so she's like, you know, so we ended up telling her there in front of my mom and, you know, my mom was a great support. With Stacy, my youngest daughter, um, again, I'm like, I need you to come home right after work. And she thought she was in trouble. <laughs> so she calls her sister and, and uh, says, hey, come home, you know, because mom wants to talk to me, and I don't know why. But obviously my oldest daughter didn't tell her why. So, and, yeah, it was just, it was heart-wrenching. And I told her, I said, you know what, we're going to make it. We're going to make it through. It's early detection. Uh, you know, it's not advanced. So, I do want to take a moment to to address anyone listening to um, make sure that that we're clear that these are your stories. This is not necessarily anyone else's story, or it's not going to be like this for anyone else. Or there's no two stories that are exactly the same. Um, and so, if you're listening and you are experiencing um, some of this uh, situation, whether it, it be you or, or a loved one or a friend or anything of that nature, um, that we're not saying this is the way to handle it. We're just sharing stories. Um, so that, that's a really important distinction. Um, in talking to both of you prior to this, you both kind of, in your own ways, touched on, a, on a, an idea of putting on a brave face, um, especially when in, in public. And uh, Susan, you talked about how you didn't share with everybody right away. Um, Bree, you talked about you, your mom put on a brave face and you, kind of how that affected you. Uh, was that something that, that the idea of a brave face, of, of that public persona of being strong, was that something you chose? Or is that something that you felt like you were obligated to do? How did that, how did you navigate that particular path? For me, it was a little bit of both. Because um, I, you know, I'm the family matriarch. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I'm the oldest in the group of my, you know, siblings. And so, therefore, you know, I am a kind of a caretaker. And, yeah, that was, that, my first, when I first realized it was, um, doing the biopsy. Um, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but that is the most humiliating, degrading way of doing something to a woman. Um, basically, you are flat on a board. They tell you to get as comfortable as you possibly can because you cannot move. And basically, there's a hole. And guess what goes in that hole? And then they lift you up like you're a car chassis, and the doctor rolls in, underneath you and sticks that needle in you and it hurts. They don't give you any medication or anything to calm you down or anything. I just remember tears are rolling down my face when it happened. Um, I don't even remember seeing the doctor's face. 
Um, when it was time, it was over, and I got dressed, I just sat in the little locker room area to gain my composure because I did not want to see my husband look at me that way. So that's when the brave face came on. Um, I think for me, um, I remember asking, like, my sister-in-law, um, you know, when my mom went in for surgery, and I was like, why would she do this? Like, why wouldn't she tell us? And my sister-in-law just said to me, like, I think she probably had to get it right in her head first before she could tell anyone else so that she could always, like, be the strong one. And so I think that's how she always dealt with it. Like, like I said, for 15 years she battled it, and she just always kind of internalized a lot of it so that she could still continue to be the strong one amongst our family. You talk about the 15 years, and we kind of mentioned one of the struggles for you, Bree, um, was that it was a oh, it came in waves. That you had every three months there was a scan, and so every three months there was that concern and then relief, mm-hmm. and then concern and then relief. Um, how I mean again with the, the brave face idea, how do you how did you approach that? How did how was was that something that again was that a strength that you came and you was it was it something you gathered from other people? How how did you how did you navigate that particular back and forth? Yeah, I think certainly having like a, a strong support system um, and, and those within your support system kind of know you, they know how you handle it. You know, like with my mom, we knew that she just always wanted to kind of be strong. So we tried not to like, you know, maybe bring up emotions in front of her or like if we were stressed about the, the fact that she had scans coming up, maybe we didn't talk about it to her. And you know, it wasn't like we were ignoring it, but you just kind of learn who you can kind of be open with and who maybe you put a brave face on for. Were there moments when the brave face cracked? Uh, were there moments when you just like, I can't do this, I can't put on the brave face because uh, of something that you were going through or something you experienced? Um, was, that, was that a hard moment when, when, that, when that face cracked a little bit? Mine didn't really crack too much in front of other people other than my husband. Um, I worked throughout the whole thing during my chemotherapy and, um, and having to wear a wig. And I just, between work and home, that was the only two places I felt safe and comfortable. But putting on that brave face is very exhausting. And I would just come home and take a hot bath. And I'd sit in the bathtub for an hour and just cry. And yeah, that's pretty much <laughs> every every day. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, there was probably definitely moments where I cracked a little bit, like whether it be in front of people or not. Um, one of the harder things for me was that it was um, over the many years, it, like I traveled through a lot of stages of life. You know, I was a college student and then I was, um, you know, planning a wedding and I was a new mom and... Um, so I think that my reactions probably changed depending on like what stage of life I was kind of in mm-hmm. at the moment. I'm glad you mentioned that about the stages of life. Um, because as you said, uh, you were a college student when this came. Um, and, and uh, this is often not anything on any, any college students radar. Um, we were, you know, college students, when we were in college, we were invincible, you know, things just, this is how life is going to be. Um, what was it like trying to balance having the college experience, uh, knowing that back home there was family situations going on, you wanted to be there for the family, but you still wanted, you know, you still wanted to you, 
uh, take care of the things in your own life. What, what was that balance like for you? I think it was it was a hard balance because um, I wanted to be in both places and obviously wanted to excel academically and be there socially, um, but then always felt a part of me that um, wanted to kind of be back home as a support system too. A little bit of guilt maybe? Yes, yeah, no matter where you were um, or where I was, I, I felt like I should be in the other place kind of. You know, we talked about how this journey is, is different for everybody. Um, this is one podcast that is, is very personal for me. I don't have experience with, brain, with breast cancer, but my, my dad was diagnosed with brain cancer in 2013. And so in the midst of that storm, you feel like there's so much you can't control. And I know in talking to both of you, um, there were elements that you talked about how important it was to find something that you could control in the process. And it was different for both of you. So if you would uh, share a little bit about what helped get you through, um, what you held on to, to to help kind of maintain uh, some some idea of this is something I can control in the midst of everything that I cannot. One of the things, and I've been a pharmacy tech a long time, but I was working at Christie Clinic during this um, part of my life. Um, I sought out a certain pharmacist to mix my chemo. And that was the only way I felt... I could have any control over it, just knowing that he was doing the chemo for me every time. And um, yeah, that was that was a big relief. Bree, you mentioned you had a little bit different process to to, to kind of feel a little bit of control. Uh, and it's something that you still carry on today. So if you would share a little bit about that. Well, obviously, um, the procedures and the um, exams and things weren't happening to me myself, but... Um, I had always been a runner, like, throughout high school, um, mostly just participating for sports and, like, team involvement. Um, At that point, I probably hadn't even thought of it as, like, um, a personal outlet. But probably throughout that process, like, the initial diagnosis of my mom and, like, the initial years of treatment, I found running to be kind of an outlet for me. Like it was the one place where I could kind of be with myself and not do anything else. And it was maybe a time when I could um, compartmentalize like my feelings and what I was thinking. And even if a tear streaked down my cheek, you know, it wasn't necessarily like breaking in front of anyone else. So it was kind of a, a time when I could just kind of shut, shut myself down or tune into myself. And those moments are really, really important, whether it be humor or running or something else. Um, finding those little moments that allow you to feel, whether it be dignity or control or a breath, you know, to take take a moment and breathe. Um, though in the midst of such a hurricane and, and, and uncertainty and all that, that those are so important. Um, and again, we say, you know, these are your journeys. It wouldn't work necessarily for somebody else. But, but the idea of finding that moment is so important. Um, that does. Um, now we're gonna transition just a little bit. We talked about your story a little bit, but both of you are very passionate about testing, about getting checked regularly. So if you just, you know, maybe give like a PSA or a plug um, uh, about why that's so important and, and maybe uh, just uh, some ideas on how to even get started. If somebody's not even know where to start with that kind of idea, where do they, where do they look and where do they go? Well, I would say, you know, A, look at your family history. Is there any breast cancer history? But that doesn't necessarily mean you won't ever get it. Um, so I always encourage um, people to at least get a baseline mammogram. And, um, like I said, you know, go every year because 
I've had women tell me, well, I had a good one last year. I'm going to skip this year. If I had done that, I wouldn't be here right now. Um, so go yearly. And you had mentioned that a little bit that that you went, you you found it because of a, of a checkup. It was just a not routine. Because there was a sign. No, it was just my routine mammogram. Yeah, but um, yeah, I just people go, oh, it, it hurts. I'm like, oh, it doesn't really hurt. It's uncomfortable, but um, but it's well worth it. You know, it could save your life. I remember, like, when my mom was first diagnosed, I think she was one of those that was like, oh, I had a good one, so I'll skip this year. And I remember her saying, like, make sure you stay on top of it. And mm -hmm. even though I'm not necessarily at the age where it's required, I have had um, scares where, you know, maybe the doctors found something or I myself. And um, given the family history, it's kind of like the first place that you always jump to. Um, and even though it wasn't on my radar before, it is now. Mm -hmm. And so um, I've been through some of those scary, um, not ever biopsies, but I've had to do like mammograms. And I don't think I've ever sweat so much in my life <laughs> um, mm -hmm. or, you know, shaken from nerves. But even though it's scary and um, it's the fear of the unknown, it's, it's still the best thing to do mm -hmm. for yourself. Extremely important. And, 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 you know, this is something that you don't talk a lot about just generally because it's not, not, not a great, it's not a, a, a fun conversation all the time. And, it, and like you said, Bree, when you were in college, it wasn't even on your radar. Um, if it is something that someone's listening and they're like, I don't know who to talk to, uh, there are support systems out there and people will talk. And, and uh, uh, it, a lot of us have friends or family that have been affected by this. Um, there are people on campus that have been affected by this that, you know, start the conversation. That's what this podcast is about. But there are opportunities here. We'll, we'll give some some uh, resources in at the end, and there's some resources in our in the episode description. But it's really about if you have questions, ask. Um, there, there's no wrong question here, and and as you said, with the testing, it's worth it. It may be a little uncomfortable to ask the question, maybe uncomfortable to talk to somebody, but it's so worth it because this is really a, an important topic for for so many women. Part of, you know, there's the technical side of, the, of, of what happens, the diagnosis, the treatments, and things like that. But as you're going through it, um, maybe, and sometimes the bigger impact is on the emotional side or the things you don't, you don't think about that, that will catch you off guard. Um, for Susan, as somebody who, who went through that process, what were some things that just kind of knocked you sideways that you weren't fully expecting? Well, um... You always know, you know, the things that's supposed to happen with chemo A is the hair falling out. And I guess I just didn't realize how bad that was. And so when I would go to take a shower and wash my hair, my hands would get tangled up in my hair. At the time, I had, you know, shoulder-length hair, so it was pretty long. And it would just come out in clumps. And I would have to clean the drain out and every, every time I, you know, would wash my hair. And then one day, um, I blow dried my hair, fixed it and everything. And I turned around and looked and I was surrounded by all this massive hair. I couldn't even get out of the bathroom. And I had to call my husband who was on the other side of the house, but I called him and I said, you need to bring the vacuum here. And, um, he vacuumed it up and let me get out. Um, so that's when I just started pulling it back and just in a ponytail, wouldn't even wash it, but then my daughter, um, she got our hairdresser to come out to our house and cut my hair, and I said, start in the back, 
because I don't want to see it falling yet. And as soon as she cut it all off, my husband had the stupidest, biggest grin on his face. And I said, what? And he's like, you look so cute. <laughs> so I have a nice little pretty head. <laughs> and, uh, but no, it was, he goes, you really look cute. And uh, that was, that, I mean, my husband, I have to give him credit. There were, he made some mistakes and trying to help me, but he was by far my biggest cheerleader, him and my mom and my girls. What, what were some of the emotions for you, Brie, watching somebody else go through these things, um, watching someone else um, be brave? Or uh, from the emotional side, again, you know that the, the scans are coming, you know what's going on. What were the, the, the things that, that you found yourself, not, maybe caught off guard, but also how did you process through your own emotions while, seeing, while processing through, through your mom's emotions as well? Yeah, I think um, the the visual representation of cancer is hard is almost harder than like the emotional because um, when you know they have cancer and and you can't see it necessarily, um, you maybe sometimes like ignorantly forget about it. But when there's no hair, no eyebrows, um, that's like a definite sign that you know there there's that looming storm above you. Um, and it's hard to see someone look different than what they have always looked to you. Um, but my mom certainly like rocked the, the scarves and uh, the wigs at times. And, you know, she, like Susan, maybe added humor and said, well, the good thing is that I don't have to shave my legs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I think the really cool thing for me was... Um, going through, like, planning my wedding. Um, my mom was a pretty integral part of that. That was, like, a big thing for her. When she first diagnosed, got diagnosed, she said to the doctor, like, I just want 10 more years because I want to see my daughter graduate college. I want to see grandkids born. I want to see her get married. And I just want to be there for, like, all the important things of life. And so throughout, like, dress shopping and things, she went with her bald head and a hat on her head, um, and somehow her chemo had finished, you know, just shortly before the wedding. And she uh, was kind of in that stage of, like, her hair was growing back but wasn't quite fully back to the way it was before. And so um, I had a great group of friends that she was going to wear a wig. And that morning they were like, why don't you just spike it up and wear it like your normal hair? And she just, like, glowed that whole day. And so that's, like, a really cool memory for me is that, she like looked and felt more like herself. Um, so that was neat to mm -hmm. kind of see um, see the the growing back of it. Yeah, her glowing. <laughs> yeah. In in both of your conversations here, it's 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 important to note that you both talk about support systems. Um, and and then Susan, you talk about your husband, the way he responded. Uh, Bree, you talked about how you responded to your mom, but also how your support system responded to you to support you. Um, that's an important distinction that, that you don't have to go through this journey alone. And there are those that will support you. Um, and, and if you don't feel like you have that support group, find one because there are people out there that want to, that want to like, I, I can safely say both of you, if someone came and talked about said, I'm going through this, you would be happy to say, here, I'll walk with you through this process. Um, and there are, there are people that do that. Um, so that, that's, that's, an, that's, an, that's an important key and an important distinction. Breast Cancer Awareness Month has become a pretty common part of conversation in a lot of areas and absolutely something we wanted to bring up on Healthy Illini. This is definitely a conversation that could fill up hours upon hours 
If you'd like to continue the conversation with us or other professionals, you can find resources in the episode description. Uh, we have links for McKinley Health Center, the Counseling Center here on campus. We also have information about the National Breast Cancer Foundation, the Susan G. Komen Foundation, and the American Cancer Society. So thank you for joining us today. You're on a personal journey no matter where you are in it. You are important and you matter. Your health and wellness are important and matter. We are here to keep you well to excel. So have a great week, Illini. Let us know how you're doing, connect with us, and we'll catch you next time on Healthy Illini.